0: Welcome to the Truly Miss Podcast. I'm Candace and each week I'll tell you about underreported missing people of color. According to Black and Missing Incorporated, over 250,000 missing people are male. Of the 250,000, 38% of those male are black or Hispanic. All people of color must be vigilant in reporting crimes and evidence to help bring back loved ones when possible and giving closure when it isn't. Today I'll tell you about Felipe Santos and later Terrence Williams. Felipe Santos was born on January 1, 1979 in Oaxaca, Mexico. He is the second oldest of five brothers. Some agencies have his birth date listed as May 26, 1980, but the first birth date is his real date of birth. He illegally migrated to Florida to find work to help support his family in Mexico, as well as his newborn daughter with his wife, Apollonia. At the time, he lived in Immokalee, Florida and worked in Naples, Florida. He worked in construction and was headed to work on the morning of October 14, 2003, when Felipe and his other brother Salvador were involved in a minor car accident. The woman they were involved in the accident with insisted on police presence. Detective Steve Calkins arrived at the scene. He searched Felipe and discovered that he was undocumented and didn't have a license or insurance. The woman involved in the accident cited that Calkins seems irritated with Felipe for not having his proper documents. He put only Felipe in the back of his car and drove away. Felipe is then never seen again. Salvador went to the jail with their boss to get Felipe out, but he wasn't there. They discovered that he had not been arrested. He had been written several tickets, one of which was a court parent. Once the family couldn't locate Felipe in jail or any hospitals, they filed a police report. It is believed that his brother and wife were also undocumented at the time. So for them to even go to the police leads me to believe that Felipe would not have just run off. He was very much in trouble and he was headed to work and just vanished after being put into a police cruiser. Apollonia says she was never even interviewed by the police about her husband's disappearance. Two weeks later, the Santos family files a complaint against Calkins. Calkins tells Internal Affairs he had a change of heart and decided to let Felipe go because he was a nice man. He said that he dropped him off at the Circle K gas station to make a phone call so that he can get a ride home, and that was the last that he saw of him. The Collier County Sheriff's Office conducts an investigation and exonerates Calkins of any wrongdoing. 72 hours after the Santos family receives a letter exonerating Calkins, Terrence Williams goes missing in his custody. Now, let's take a look at Terrence Williams' case, and I will explain how these two men, even though they're complete strangers, will forever be connected by their disappearances. Terrence Dion Williams was born in Chattanooga, Tennessee, to Marcia Williams, on January 17, 1976. When she was 17, he and his mom were very close. He's an only child. Once his mother married, she moved to Florida. He followed later in 2001 to be closer to her. His mother Marcia said that he was hesitant about his move to Florida. Prior to his move, he had been in some legal trouble. One situation involved him being charged with a DUI and he had his license suspended. I'm really not gonna discuss much of his legal trouble here because it doesn't pertain to his disappearance and they were not violent incidents. He's also the victim here and on this show, he will be respected as such. Now I only mention the DUI and the license because it's part of what kind of led to his disappearance. Once he got to East Naples, Florida, he started some construction work. Afraid he wouldn't be able to make his child support payments, as a father of four, he took on a second job. He shared an apartment with his roommate, Jason Gonzalez. They were fast friends and went out almost every weekend. He relied on his mother and his roommate for transportation to and from work. Eventually, he bought a white Cadillac to drive once he was able to obtain his license. He was only about six months away from being able to drive again legally. The last time his mother, Marcia, saw him, she picked him up from work and she dropped him off at home. She says his last words to her were, I see you later, mama, and she never saw him again. On January 11, 2004, Terrence initially asked his friend Jason to attend a party with him so that he could drive. The roommate declined because he said he had his kids with him that weekend so he wouldn't be able to go out. Despite Terrence not having a license, he decides to drive to the party on his own. On the morning of January 12, 2004, Jason had a missed call from Terrence. He and Terrence had a rule. He told Jason that if he hadn't heard from him in two days, don't worry. But if it doesn't hear from him by three days, then he should probably come looking for him. On January 15th, Jason called Marcia and asked if she had heard from Terrence because he hadn't been home in three days. His co-worker from Pizza had also called him and said that she saw him leave the party between 5 and 6 a.m., but then he never showed up for work. Marcia calls around to hospitals and tow yards to find out if anyone has seen or treated her son. It was discovered that his car had been towed from the Naples Memorial Garden Cemetery. She files a missing persons report for her only son. Due to Marcia's diligence to find her son, she was able to obtain a sworn affidavit from cemetery workers, stating that Steve Calkins pulled Terrence over and then put him in the back of his police car and drove away. Terrence was driving on expired tags without a license, insurance, or registration. He had at least six reasons to be given tickets and taken to jail, but he was not arrested. According to Calvin's conversation with dispatch four days after Terrence went missing, he didn't remember arresting or stopping anybody near a cemetery. The dispatcher believes him, and she calls Marsha's sister, Pam, and states that there was no incident at the cemetery. I'll now play the call where Calkins claims that he didn't even remember being at the cemetery, even though people saw him. This call shows how careless some people can be when people of color are in trouble. Oh,
1: he's a little muddy, but he's here, hold on. Just said. Steve, yeah. I hate to bother you at home on your day off, but this woman's been bothering us all day. <laughs> you saw a car from Vanderbilt and 111 Monday, a Cadillac. You remember it? No. Do you remember? She said it was near the cemetery. I Any mean, the people at the cemetery are telling her you put somebody in the back of your vehicle and arrested them, and I don't show you arresting anybody. I do not arrest nobody. That's what I thought. Okay. Okay. I gotta think about this for a while. But you're sure nobody knows that vehicle? It was Around 12:30 in the afternoon. Jesus, I can't do that. Yeah, it be nice, huh? Oh, damn. <laughs> what do they want? Uh, well, there's somebody at the cemetery is telling the mother that you picked up the driver, and he's been missing since Monday. What did you say? And I said he didn't ask anybody. Ooh. So, she keeps calling, and, well, there's got to be someone you can get a hold of him, too, but uh, I think she supposed to every dispatcher in here today. Aww. Oh. I was trying to figure out what color the Cadillac was, I forgot. I got it right in front of me. You picked it up at 1227 on Vanderbilt at 111, and Coastal came and got it, a large white Cadillac. Large white Cadillac. i got to look it up in my notes. I don't remember. God almighty. Um, but, but you're sure you didn't, are you sure there was no one with it? No. OK. I would think it would have something in your screen if you took them to anybody in the jail. No, I ain't arrested nobody in a long time. OK. Okay, Sorry. That's okay. I just I'll, want to make sure. I'll get in my note notepad and see if I can come up with something for you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, darling. Bye, bye. Bye. Say your name or the company you represent. When you've finished, please press one. Hi, okay, can I share a profit? Now trying to connect. Please hold. vehicle towed okay we knew that he didn't pick it up but someone picked it up the people at the cemetery said that they saw a police officer in a collier county sheriff's department car put him in the car and take him away okay if there was an officer out there there's over 900 officers here we'd have to have a car number to know who it was there's no way I can find out if somebody gave him a ride somewhere. You shouldn't even do it by... uh No, I can't go 900 deputies' histories for Monday. No, I was about to say, when I called, if this was station one, they no. said that the way you could track him would be the report at the street he was picked up on. There was no report taken. That's what I'm telling you. There is no report taken from that area on Monday. No one picked him up. So whoever is telling you this is either giving you wrong information or it's not the same person. Okay, okay, thanks, you're
0: welcome. Now, if you listen closely to this call, you can hear him clearly lying about not knowing Terrence and not picking him up. And as a police officer, if you arrested somebody near a cemetery only four days later, I'm guessing that you would remember that encounter. Just me, just a thought. Anyway, despite his failure to remember a possible arrest, four days before on January 12th, he had returned to the scene to move the vehicle. He claims that it made it easier for tow truck drivers. Terrence's car was found obstructing traffic outside of the cemetery and the keys were thrown in the grass. This is when Calkins is seen returning to the scene, moving Terrence's car by himself and then leaving. Terrence's car is not processed until nine days after Terrence goes missing. On January 12th, Calkins made a call checking Terrence's background and requesting a tow. He refers to Terrence as the homie, saying the homie's going to be mad when he sees his car gone. On the same call, he gives Terrence's birthday as April 1st, 1975. But that's not Terrence's correct birthday. It's a pseudo birthday that Terrence uses sometimes if he got pulled over. The only way he would have known that is if he had interacted with Terrence. Now, if you remember, on the first call that we just listened to, Calkin said that he hadn't pulled anybody over near a cemetery and he hadn't seen Terrence. Now, I'll play the call the day Terrence went missing, where he's laughing and joking about the homie's car. Your pretty
1: good. <laughs> I think I got a. Good one. <laughs>
0: is not as important as the tone. Why are you laughing and joking about somebody's car being a piece of junk? You don't know that person's history, so it's probably best not to judge. And if you're supposed to be an upstanding police officer, why is it funny that somebody may possibly be in trouble or missing if he wasn't with his car as you claimed? Marsha files a complaint against Calkins because he was the last person to see Terrence alive. He did not submit a... He did not submit a report about his encounter with Terrence, but he called for the tow and the background check. Once Internal Affairs asked Calkins to submit a report, he then changes his original story and gives a very detailed account of what happened that day. He insisted that he did not pull Terrence over, but that Terrence was already at the cemetery, stalled because he was having car trouble. Calkins pulled over to assist him, but ran his plates and the background check. He finds that Terrence is driving without a license, insurance and registration. However, since he believed that Terrence was a nice guy, instead of taking him to jail, he instead gives him a right to work. He says that he takes Terrence to that same Circle K that he supposedly dropped Felipe off at just a few months earlier. Now, Terrence did not work at the Circle K. Calcon then even goes further to say that Terrence told him where to find the registration in his car. That's the supposed reason that Calcon returns to Terrence's car and ultimately moves it. He said that he did not find the registration, so he called the Circle K looking for Terrence, only to find out that he didn't work there. Marcia stressed that Terrence would have called her or Jason before asking the police for a ride. No surveillance has ever shown Calkins, Felipe, or Terrence at that Circle K. Calkins was given multiple polygraphs concerning Felipe and Terrence's disappearances. He failed, even though he was cleared of wrongdoing in Felipe's case in August of 2004. He was fired for non-compliance of rules and regulations, untruthfulness, derogatory language and conduct unbecoming of a police officer. Two weeks later, he appealed and it was also denied. He had been an officer for 17 years with a clean record. His supervisor stated that he was no longer able to trust his ability to recall events. After he was fired, he was no longer speaking about either incident or cooperating with the police. Unfortunately, there was no legal probable cause to search his house at the time. Due to the media attention about the case, Calkin moved his family out of Florida, selling his house. In 2016, the new owners of his house allowed the yard to be dug up, looking for possible remains. But he's too smart for that. Calkin's is calculated and a deceitful person, and I don't believe that these are the only two people that went missing in his custody. I think he got caught with Felipe and Terrence because their families filed those complaints. Most unfortunately, the Williams family attorney, Ben Crump, missed the deadline for the case to go to trial. Crump said the missed deadline was due to miscommunication and extensive office closures during COVID. The appeal for criminal charges was also denied based on a lack of evidence. A civil suit was subsequently filed. This forced Calkins to testify under oath about what really happened. He had previously refused to testify. Calkins claimed in his deposition that the family was too quick to attack and too quick to accuse. sir. Two men got in the police vehicle with you and they are now disappeared. I don't think that anybody is too quick to judge or accuse you, you definitely know where those men are. But anyway, you claim to have dropped them off at the same Circle K, but there's no evidence that you went to the store either time? And what part of police training is it protocol to drop someone off at the store and not take them anywhere other than home, the police station, or to just leave them where they are? The civil suit was primarily to get Calkins to admit anything that could be used as new evidence for criminal charges. A court-appointed arbitrator found that there was insufficient evidence to find Calkins liable. Without any new evidence, no criminal charges have been or will be filed against Calkins. So what did Calkins do with the men? The most popular theory is that Calkins took the men on what's called a starlight tour. The term originated in Saskatchewan, Canada, and is a practice of driving people outside the city limits and abandoning them, forcing them to walk or find their way home. This practice came to light when an indigenous Canadian man named Daryl Knight was picked up by the police leaving a party and abandoned in freezing conditions. He survived by hiding out in a power plant and telling the security guard what happened to him. Two other indigenous men, Rodney Nastis and Lawrence Wagner, were found frozen and deceased shortly after Knight reported his experience and near where he was dropped off. But getting back to Terrence and Felipe, it's not cold in Florida, but there's so much swamp, forest, and open space. I believe that Calkins dropped the men off in the Everglades, possibly without their belongings, and forced them to try to find a way home. One theory from investigators was that both men left willingly to avoid legal woes parents had child support issues and Felipe was undocumented. Even though they both had legal trouble, they seemed like good family men who just wanted to make a better life for themselves. Both were headed to work. Neither was pulled over for a violent crime and had any weapons on them. They did not walk away willingly. There is no evidence of that. Now this case is different from most because we actually know who's responsible for this disappearance. One man was last seen with two different men months apart. Not only that, he lies. He was even fired for lying. If you were in the Naples area at the time of Terrence or Felipe's disappearance and saw either of these men being abducted by Calkins, please contact the FBI. He never took them to jail. He never took them home. He never took them to a hospital and he didn't leave them where they were. He could have just left them, which is typically what an officer does if they aren't going to arrest you and you don't need medical attention. I wouldn't personally contact the Collier Sheriff's Department because they found enough evidence of him lying to fire him, but declined to press criminal charges. Tyler Perry did a two-part special on Terrence and Felipe and has offered a $200,000 reward leading to the return of Terrence or Felipe. Terrence is presumed dead and declared so by the state of Florida. Felipe is still considered a missing person. The number for the Collier County Sheriff's Office is 1-800-780-8477. You can also contact the FBI at tips.fbi.gov or name us, the National Missing and Unidentified Person System at 817-202-5931. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with another Truly Miss. You can follow us on Instagram at Truly Podcast or send us an email at trulymisspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you have a story that you would like to share, if you have any tips that you would like to share, you can please email or DM me. I focus on people of color as those stories don't get as much coverage. Hopefully we can build a community, one listener at a time. All sources are listed in the show notes. Please help this family and other families get one step closer to bringing their loved one home. Felipe and Terrence are truly missed.